Hello and welcome to the Left Hook Larry podcast. I'm Greg Checklin and I'll be joined alongside Ewan Chapman. This week we're going to be talking about the Billy Joe Saunders fight. We'll also be joined by Ewan's brother Ross, where he'll be giving us his take on the fight. I'm recording this from work today, um, so so I thought, is there anyone here that you know knows anything at box about boxing? You know, um, and luckily, I've I've got my own blood here. My my brother, mm-hmm. um, uh, he, he probably sees me as a little bit of a mentor to him. Taught him a lot, so I thought, let's get him on. Let's find out if he knows anything at boxing. Mm-hmm. So here's Ross Chapman. Yep, yeah, yeah. Give us your credentials. Cheers for the uh, the kind words, yeah. Credentials. Um, so yeah, like Ewan said, Ewan's brother, uh, amateur boxer, current Midlands champion. Uh, had about forty amateur bouts, and yeah, um, he's Midlands box cup he's gold medalist. Yeah, he's Midlands uh, box cup national semi finalist. Boxed in uh, New York, Gleason's gym, and in the UK. Yeah. So yeah. Not bragging or anything, but um, See, I've why, been about it. Why did that take me to give all your credentials? Why do I know better than you? I don't know. I don't know. Well, yeah, look, Ross, it's great to have you on because it gives me a bit of a break from just uh, just you in. So. Yeah. So, Cheggs, you're coming up to the boxing club on Friday, aren't you? Yeah, I'm buzzing. I actually am buzzing, you know. Um, I was a little bit scared at first because you said that you were going to going to knock me out in 20 seconds but we've decided that that wasn't the best i've had idea. to refrain from that <laughs> yeah i think you, your exact words were i don't want to abuse my power which is which is very nice especially when you that's said in that a li- literal and physical <laughs> yeah. mental sense yeah well you said that you were hitting harder than you've ever hit before which didn't really make <laughs> um, that's all the beers <laughs> I think I, I added a few beers when I said that. Yeah. I just want to see that the legendary Chapman brothers in action, really. Um, I've heard so many stories that I just have to see it in person now, really. But I, I think uh, the general rule is one Chapman brother at a time. <laughs> It'd be too much, yeah. yeah Double exactly. trouble. <laughs> I, I don't want to overwhelm you, so you just yeah. get the one. Well, look, if you can learn to just like harness my, my raw natural power, you know, I think really like there's a there's a world champion in there somewhere check check this is the kind of stuff that makes me really want to actually just spy you like like you gotta stop talking like this is it like you have no backing to talk like how, how old was um deontay wilder when he started fighting it was like quite late it was about my age i think so you know i'll take uh, take a yeah, t- twenty. I think. I think. What is he? Six foot six as well. Yeah, six yeah. foot six, and, 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 and also a lot of parallels between the two. Really, like <laughs> the, the natural power. Um, yeah, I, I heard he played um, off spin for <laughs> where, played uh, off spin. wherever the hell you're from. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, he played a lot of off spin. That's the one. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, well, look. You know, if I can just 
get through some of the basics, you know, after I've, I've watched those Tony Jeffries videos on YouTube. So, I'm, you know, I've pretty much got the basics down. But if you can just, like, test that I know all the basics, then, um, yeah. You know, like I said, there's, there's a, a lot of raw natural talent there. And if you can just use your coaching ability, then, um, yeah, I'll be ready. I'll be ready for that bet, I think. Yeah, well, we'll put we'll put you through your paces and see what you're made of then. Um, we can get some nice video footage of this. Yeah, actually, we will potentially be posting some some clips on YouTube, uh, particularly if I, if I knock you and out, that'll be going viral, I think. Um, oh my god, yeah, fitness wise is going to be very interesting. I think that's going to yeah, be well, something I'm not looking forward to. I've I've seen a lot of your runs though, Greg. So you know, <laughs> yeah, I literally haven't run in like three weeks. I don't know if you noticed on Strava, but um, is it because you've you've had to take cricket seriously now? Yeah, of course. I'm going to be the first uh, professional cricketer slash professional boxer. Um, <laughs> Wait, no, he's not. Freddie Flintoff. Yeah, Freddie Flintoff had a professional fight. Yeah, unlost. Oh yeah, no. What's it? Yeah, of course he did, didn't he? Oh, oh my god, that was terrible. Yeah, he, he just couldn't punch at all. Well, anyway, we've got loads to talk about, so let's get started. Okay then. Um, well, obviously we're going to talk about the 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 massive fight that just happened last weekend um and i guess it's a fight that we were talking about in the previous podcast and i think all in all not too many surprises i mean i was only one round off my prediction um and i guess it's sort of a difficult one because at first i guess it was a bit of a cagey start and canelo was clearly what clearly could see from the start they had a massive advantage in terms of his power um, and then you got to, I think, was it round five when Billy really sort of came into his own a little bit and you just thought, is there a chance, you know, is there a possibility that he could actually outbox him for the rest of the fight? But of course, um, Canelo even put it to himself that it would be, I think, seven, eight or nine and, and he, he made it look quite comfortable in the end. I guess my first question is the biggest question, did he quit? You know, did he you know, could he have continued? I mean, it seems like a silly question, but I've got to ask anyway. You've started off with the with the controversial one, haven't you, Chags? I had, um, to, I had to. Come on, it's what we were all thinking. Yeah, I think if, if it was anyone else, I feel like there's less of a debate, but because of, you know, Billy Joe and what he said and all the shit he's talked, he's kind of like... You haven't been in that situation before, and then he was finally in that situation where it's like the adversity got to deal with the toughness of the fight, and you know he backed out. And as as much as you know, you can say it was up to his cornerman. He went back to that corner and said, "I can't see." Mark Tibb said to him, "Do you want to continue?" And he replied, "I can't see." Mark Tibb said again, "So do you want to go back out?" And all Billy said was, "I can't see." So for me, that is mm. him. That's verbally quitting, uh, but but obviously the extent to the injury, you can kind of uh, give him leeway on it, but he, he can't talk the way he did, and especially about like Daniel Dubois and stuff, and then go out yeah. there and you know I'll, I'll always go out on my shield, and you know he, he didn't do that, did he? So I think just because of of what he said, he he deserves to be told by people that he quit. Yeah, no, I think 
you're bang on in that sense because that's exactly how I was thinking about it. I mean, I think had it been anyone else, you'd say, okay, look, I really wouldn't advise that you continue um, after that shot. It was so brutal and I think it just would have been, you know, a death sentence if he'd come back out with uh, one eye, you know, against a guy he's already losing to on the cards. Um, wouldn't have much chance of winning a decision anyway um, and just basically waiting to get knocked out. But I think... I mean, especially as well, if you watch the DAZN interview that he did, I think with, with Gareth A. Davis before the fight, I mean, literally he spoke for so long about how he'd literally be prepared to die in the ring um, and that he'd just go out on his shield and that it sort of means more to him than, than even breathing, uh, I think was a direct quote from him. And I think when you take that into account, it just seems like, a lot of talk versus you know minimal action basically um so yeah and in terms of it being sort of feeling like a little bit of justice for the comments that he's made it certainly does feel that way yeah well i feel that i feel that maybe it was all just sort of trash talk before the fight um and i think that's the reason he was saying those sort of things did he quit it's it's hard to say really i feel like once you've been it's hard to say until you've been in that situation, and you know he, you know he's never had a fractured. Or I think it was a fractured orbital and a cheekbone as well. Um, so once you're actually in that mm-hmm. situation, it's very different. Um, for me, I don't think many people could have continued in that situation. I know that a lot of people have talked about Oscar Valdez fighting on with a broken jaw, but at the end of the day, if you've got a fractured orbital there is the possibility that you could lose your sight. Um, And can you just imagine the sort of thoughts that were going through his mind at that moment? Um, Mm -hmm. It's a hard one to say, really. Mm -hmm. No, I completely agree. And well, particularly in terms of just how bad it was, it wasn't like just a slight fracture. I think they said it broke in three places. Um, just that so you can imagine the potential repercussions of that if he was to continue. I think just obviously the point has to be made about Daniel, the Daniel Dubois comments and particularly when you consider the sort of different levels that they were both fighting at. I mean, Dubois still very early on in his career wasn't fighting for a world title, wasn't, you know, an absolute must win. For him to quit in that fight, I think made more sense than than Billy Joe sort of in that moment where he's never going to get that chance again, you know? And I think obviously considering that, it, it just feels a little bit hypocritical of him. But of course, absolutely, you can't blame him for making that decision. I think it was the correct one. Um yeah, he just won't have won any more fans. And uh, I think, I guess, as well, when you consider um, Chris Eubank Jr.'s reaction, I don't know if you saw that. Oh, yeah, that was, was funny. Little... I enjoyed that. Um, I think that just sets up the the next fight with those two so brilliantly, um, which I think we'd all absolutely love to see. Yeah, I, I think the point has to be made, though, that Billy Joe has talked so much shit and... He was never in the place, especially in the Daniel Dubois situation, to have made those comments. And I think from now on, what we need to say is that boxers aren't allowed to talk about heart and quitting when they've never done it themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just, I, for me, it's a just reward. And, and But the annoying thing is, I think it also changes the narrative massively. And then... In, you know, rather than, oh, it's Canelo and, you know, his beautiful punching and... Uh, perfect landed shot it's now oh look how uh 
look what Billy Joe can deal with. You know, he, he took that shot. And, and why has the narrative changed so much between when Daniel Dubois fought and IFL and all the other YouTube outlets mm. and whatever all came out and started slagging off Daniel Dubois and mm. calling into question his heart. But with Billy Joe, it's like, oh, look what he's gone through. Like, he's dealt with his massive, like, fracture in his face. And I don't know, I don't know why, why it's different treatment for, for Billy Joe than it is for, mm. for, for other people in the game. Right. Do, do you not think, I guess, forgetting, like, oh, he said, she said, all of this, you know, being hypocritical and all that, do you not think this is sort of a, a deeper problem that lies within the sport that we are sort of expecting people to be willing to risk their lives to to win a, a boxing match? And I guess this is just the sort of way that it's been for years and years now. But then, you know, when it goes too far and someone puts themselves in a, in a critical position, you know, I think sometimes it, it might be worth like stepping back and thinking, well, why, why are we sort of putting so much pressure on boxers to do this when actually like nothing is more important than, you know, your own sight or your own life even. I know. And, you know, and that's like, the thing, you, know. you hear all the the kind of people that are pointing out the issues with CTE in boxing at the minute and the head injuries you get. And then we expect someone with a fractured orbital to go out there and fight to the death. But it's the issue that's created with boxers as well. All of them saying, oh, I'd rather die. I don't know why this, why boxers need to say this at all. And it's like with MMA, you have the option of tapping out. And tapping out isn't seen as being like a, a massively... Uh, like terrible offense i mean it's normal to tap out in mma but it's not normal to tap out in boxing so you have to go about it a different way mm -hmm. uh, i think you just have to we have to stop this this whole narrative of i will die on my shield it's wrong it's wrong at the end of the day they're just athletes and i, I it, it, when, when they're not gladiators anymore they're athletes and they have to preserve their health first mm -hmm. Yeah, I think as well in MMA, when you, you get knocked down and you sort of you take a few more shots and that's it, you're done. Whereas obviously in boxing, you have the option to to sort of, I guess, stay on your feet a little bit more. Or once you get up from the count, you know, you can continue and that repeated punishment. I mean, it's, it's you know, obviously the repercussions like you talked about with, with potential CTEs is catastrophic and it you know it just makes me think like, is there actually a wider problem here that we need to talk about? Because yeah it just seems silly that we're even you know discussing this because of course you know anybody in the world would have stopped fighting right there and then and my god with that crowd on your back as well i mean <laughs> you can imagine what that would have felt like yeah make no mistake about it the fight was over as soon as that punch was landed um and i feel that if billy went back out there for the ninth round it was only going to end one way and that was him getting out knocked out viciously um, so, I mean, you can see why he didn't continue. Uh, it, you, it, his whole body language changed as soon as Canelo landed that punch. And, he, you know, he went from being quite fluid, hands down, almost arrogant, to his hands were instantly raised, retreating. Um, and I feel like that, was, that would just be the, the, the course of the fight um, if, the, if it had continued into round nine. Yeah, I completely agree. And of course, especially once they showed the judges scorecards, um, you know, you, you weren't really expecting anybody to get an easy decision. But when you consider their scorecards, and I guess that leads me on to my next question. Um, I mean, what were your scorecards? Or how were you seeing the fight up until that point? You know, did you have it fairly level? Or did you see it more like the judges saw it? Well, 
I, I don't know if you saw Gareth A. Davis's tweet uh, when the fight was stopped, but he put that um, uh, he had Billy Joe well ahead in the fight or way ahead in the fight, which is just completely ridiculous anyway, because way ahead suggests that the fight was like completely one-sided, seven rounds to one or six rounds to two for Billy, which he was completely wrong. I had it at the time, 4-4. Four, four. You know, it was... And, and and as well, like, I feel like that was probably more at the time when I was watching because obviously I, I kind of wanted the underdog to win, so I was kind of slightly giving him the, the leeway in rounds. Um, but I, I think 4-4 four, four or 5-3 to Canelo at the time is... is, is seemed like a fair kind of um judging for it but i i, I think six two or sit or seven one like the judges had it for canelo seems uh quite biased i don't know what you had ralph yeah um so mine was about i can't remember what i had off the top of my head um but similar to you i know that we have to also take in, into account that canelo basically gave that first round away um, which which he does for the majority of his fights, I think he was just it was just a feeling out process. So I ca I can't really see anyone giving the first round to to Canelo. Um, I know that Billy definitely had I'd say that the better of Canelo in the in the fifth. I think it was the fifth, sixth, and seventh potentially. Um, so it, it was it was definitely a competitive fight, um, and you, you can't argue with the scorecards either way. You know if it was close. Um, I couldn't see a shutout for anyone, to be honest. Yeah, and isn't it interesting as well how, um, I guess, when you're watching that fight or, or, even, or even scoring it, you are so used to seeing Canelo just dominate every aspect of the fights that he's in that I think, was it like round three or four that Billy Joe hit like a double jab and everyone was like, oh my God, he's connected with a double jab. And, and you sort of go, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> it went, without realising, you know, he just connected with, with a jab and you know we, we I think in our minds we're thinking oh wow he's really you know he's figured Canelo out here where, where in reality I mean he's, he's just hit a simple shot that in a sort of normal fight that didn't involve Canelo we would go okay you know he's, he's hit a jab that might you know put him up slightly in the round for a little bit but um yeah I think that plays into the sort of bias that you're talking about where any sort of offense that that Billy Joe gets up just think, it makes you think, oh, he's won the round, he's won the round. You know, Canelo didn't know what to do there. Whereas in reality, I mean, he's he's played the fight perfectly. He's waited, he, he sort of waited to figure figure Billy Joe out until the seventh, eighth or ninth, just like he said. And, and he sort of turned on the gas at the right moment. And so, yeah, in reality, when people say like, he caused him problems. Did he cause him problems? You know, or was that just all part of the plan? He, ba he barely exerted himself. And that, it just seemed like he was waiting, you know. And you, you look at how hard Billy Joe was having to work in comparison to how, how what, what Canelo was doing. And, and you can imagine how much that was taken out of Billy Joe in each round, especially that seventh where he'd really had to work hard to throw those punches. And obviously they'd landed well, he'd evaded shots, but still at the end of the day, Canelo had only took, taken a few steps forward. Uh, he threw a few shots, which had missed, but, but he wasn't like working at such a lower rate than, than Billy Joe that it just seemed like looking back, it, it seems like all he was doing was just waiting for his time, waiting to throw the right shots. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe that maybe that's an aftertimer thing to say because at the time I think I was thinking um, 
you know, Billy Joe's doing really well here, but then looking back and when I've watched it since, it seems like that that was just Canelo's tactic all along. Yeah, well, I think he gave a fantastic account of himself. I'll certainly say that, he, you know, the, the way he fought, I think he certainly, um, he turned up, shall we say. You know, we, obviously we're, we're always thinking with, with Billy Joe, like what states he's going to turn up in. Um, I guess he is somebody that's sort of risen to the occasion throughout his career, but you really can't fault, like, I think, really he came there to win and he, they came there with a the game plan that you know you have to say again gave gave him the best chance possible to to beat canelo of course it was it wasn't enough and i think that's something we actually said in that previous episode where you know even billy joe's absolute best probably still won't be enough and, and it wasn't enough um and that seemed to be the case in the fight and i mean talking about the difference in power um it just creates such a different dynamic when you're, I guess, worrying about what the other guy's throwing back because Canelo just wasn't worried. I mean, obviously you've seen some of the shots that Canelo's taken from the likes of Golovkin and you're thinking, you know, a slight jab that, that Billy Joe's poking out there is not going to deter him from throwing what he wants to throw. And I think it was Carl Froch on comms actually um, saying, you know, the sound, the difference in the sound of the punches was so apparent and it's like, just this thud that you're hearing when Canelo throws a hook or, or any sort of shot, um, the difference in that sound that it makes is just scary. And you really only sort of see him his power being matched if he goes up again, which which is, I guess, something else we, we can definitely discuss. Yeah, you, you could definitely tell um, there was a huge power discrepancy. Um, and C- Canelo knew that. And I think that was that sort of played into his game plan. From from watching the fight back and looking at the early rounds, it became apparent that he knew that Billy Joe was going to dip to his left, um, which you know as a southpaw. So so he was constantly relying on throwing the right, the right hook or the right uppercut, um, you know, which obviously finished the fight. And if you watch some of the early rounds, they're just missing some of those shots. And Canelo yeah. knew, yeah. Exactly. Just whistled by the chin. Um, and then, you know, finally, it just took one to connect. I know there was a solid one, I think it was in round three, um, that shook Billy a little bit. And he, yeah. I think he even nodded his head. I think he even nodded he did, his head yeah. in appreciation. Um, and then it was fine. I think that was a right hook. And then, you know, obviously in round eight, it was just a big uh, right uppercut. And that was it. That was all she wrote. Hmm. I will say one point in that I think the addition of the crowd, I mean, having, was it 70,000 there? It was so good to to sort of have that big fight feel again. And it just got me so much more excited for what I was watching. And in some ways, like, I guess, whether you're supporting Billy Joe or not, I don't know, but having that sort of Brit abroad feel where he's getting booed, it just made me like even more like pumped for the fight. And I'd sort of forgotten how much I'd really missed big crowds at boxing fights and really just adds so much to the occasion. Yeah. Oh God. The amount of walk-ins you've seen recently where they're, they do all the dancing and the 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 strut into the ring when there's not a crowd there. It's <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. So to yeah. actually see it, like you know, with a with an actual crowd there, reassures you that they're not all just complete freaks. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. No, but how good was that though? Um, when uh, Canelo landed that punch, and obviously he knew oh, he wouldn't actually, yeah. and he just started celebrating. And honestly, I had my because obviously it was at what like four or five in the morning. I had my headphones connected to the TV downstairs, and oh my god, like I swear, it almost broke the audio. Like it was ridiculously loud. Um, it, when he started celebrating, and it just. You know, whoever you support, whoever you want to win, you just can't help but appreciate that moment or just like go down in history as being like so incredible. It was so good to watch. Yeah, well, like the the ring walks, the 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 like the 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 whole fight itself. The you know, it was just, it was just beautiful, and you know, having the the crowd there it just shows how much of a difference it made. Because I mean, the taunting mm. itself—would you have got that if there wasn't a crowd there? Like Billy Joe sticking his tongue out in Tyson Fury style, yeah. and Canelo waving on the crowd. Yeah, it's just it's different. I, I think you have to give Billy Joe credit in that sense because he really brought his personality, and I think that brought Canelo's personality out as well. And I think really added another element to the fight that we don't usually get to see. Um, and because thinking about who Canelo could be fighting in, in sort of his next fights, like you struggle to see where that personality is going to come from. I mean, Caleb Plant, I mean, does that, you know, does that excite you? For me, doesn't excite me a whole lot, you know, particularly when you compare it to this fight. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to see where he's going to, sort of find that rival that's really going to bring out his personality and, and really make him step up. I mean, I guess someone that comes to mind, not for personality-wise, but certainly for a fight would be Baturbiev. Um I think the only way that really Canelo loses a fight is if he just goes too heavy, really. I don't see anybody challenging him at super middle. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well... Uh... That's the thing. I don't think at a middle or super middle, there's anyone to challenge him. And it's just crazy. You have to, you know, they just have to make size a factor just in order to to be able to give him competition. It's, it's a shame that you know, Golovkin is just probably a year or two or three years past it now. Because, you know, if Golovkin in his prime would, would have just, is the ultimate fight with Canelo. But, um yeah, it's just a shame that that one's, you know, or if, you know, Canelo's just waiting for the for the trilogy, but waiting for Golovkin just to get a little bit too old. But if he goes up to to, to light heavyweight, I, I definitely think there's there's big challenges there. But Terbiev is just such a massive guy. Um, I think he beats Bivol, though. I think Bivol could come down to super middle, um, but I, I just think Canelo's too too good for Bivol. Uh, too strong. You know, I mean, you see Craig Richards connecting on Bivol. So imagine if if Canelo's in front of him. But I think it's just Baturbiev's the challenge, and that's because um, he's so massive. I know, and you, you think, well, that should that be something we're interested in? Just because you know, just because it might be a bit too heavy for him. You know, you really you you wonder, like again, what we're saying, where that challenge is going to come from, and, and if it's only going to come from somebody who's just ridiculously bigger than him, then it almost just doesn't even seem fair at that point. But I think still, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather see him, you know, against somebody like that than than against Caleb Plant. But of course, I think that will be the next fight because he'll be able to to unify the division um, and really sort of I guess cement his legacy really as as one of the best ever. And I think in some ways you have to obviously make those fights just to get the belts um, and sort of, yeah, cement your legacy as, as one of the best ever. Um, I guess going back to, to Billy Joe, 
it's such a horrible injury to have, you know, the potential ramifications on the rest of your career. But that aside, I think, how do you see the, the Chris Eubank Jr. rematch going if, if it is to happen? Well, I'll, I'll just chip in first and then hand it over to Ross. But I personally don't think we'll ever see Billy Joe fight again. Uh, it's like, you know, he, he trained with Cal Brook and he's... You know, uh, and he saw the what happened to Cal Brook once he fractured his orbital and he was clearly never the same fighter again. So I don't think Billy Joe will want to go through that. And I don't really think he's, you know, you saw in his own career, he had like years or two years out the ring at a time. He, when did he ever really want to box that much? So now that he's got that to deal with and the amount of work he'd have to put in just to even get back to fight in shape, um, I don't think we'll see him again. But I mean, it's, what do you reckon, Russ? Yeah, I think it it can go one or one or two ways. Uh, one or two ways. I think it's either going to spur him on um, and make him want to get back in the ring and prove himself, or it's just going to do the absolute opposite. Um, whether uh, the Chris Eubank fight is enough to draw him back in, I'm not too sure. I know, I know there's a lot of bad blood between the two. Um, personally, I don't think that Chris Eubank junior has improved that much since the first fight whereas i think billy definitely has um and i feel like it would be a massive step backwards from the canelo fight uh it's just whether it's enough to get him motivated and and that's what we need in order to you know in order to have a good fight with billy we need him to be motivated yeah i guess that is the the situation and and it'd certainly be something that would sell, that's for sure. Um, so there won't be any any problems with that. And if it's if he's sort of looking for for one last payday, um, I think it's a fantastic place to look. I think it would draw massive crowds in the UK. Well, hopefully in the UK. Um, and yeah, be absolutely cracking to see again because I think there was a little bit of controversy, especially with the first fight, with it being a split decision. Um, you know, I think. Eubank from memory came on quite well in the in the last rounds and you know makes you wonder did he sort of start to fill it, uh, figure Billy Joe out a little bit but yeah but now we're yeah, dealing like with the Chris Eubank Jr. that pretends to be Roy Jones Jr. and mm. like in that that fight against Marcus Morrison the other the other day or the other week I mean it's like he went from trying his hardest to be his dad now he's trying his hardest to be Roy Jones Jr. so I really like, don't think there's there's that much. Um, how much there that really worry Billy Joe in a fight? Well, you see the sort of different directions that they've they've gone in after that fight, really. Um, I mean, Billy Joe just fought, you know, in front of seventy thousand people for um, you know, unified world titles, and then you know, what was Chris Eubank? What was he like, fourth or fifth on the undercard the other week? Yeah, like it's just you know, I mean, that's I don't know how he's found himself in that position, really. Um, I think he's, Again, just, he's, he's just become a bit irrelevant now. I mean, ever hmm. since the DeGale fight, um, and he kicked up, you know, a big fuss about that decision as well. Uh, I mean, who's real? Is he that big a draw anymore? I, 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 personally, I don't think so. Um, and yeah, Billy's just gone from the biggest fight of his life, seventy thousand in Texas. Uh, it just seems it seems like a step backwards for me. I think the only fight that would probably draw Billy back is the Can Canelo rematch. And let's be honest, he's probably not going to get that anytime soon. Yeah, that, that was the next question, really, in terms of, <laughs> I guess, would, would there be a rematch? I mean, 
I think not, not after that injury. I think if it had gone 12 rounds and there'd have been a decision and, you know, maybe some people would have had it fairly even, um, you know, if he'd managed to get through to the last round, there potentially would have been a question. But after that injury, I mean, I think not only would it affect, obviously, his, his physical ability to withstand punches, but surely mentally that's got to be something you're thinking about all the time if if you know as soon as that's broken you know it could break any time you know in terms of fearing what's coming back at you particularly from someone like canelo yeah if, there, if there's two punches in the world that i don't want hitting me in the face when i've had a fractured cheekbone it's canelo and golovkin and realistically what there is two potential opponents if he goes if he, if he decides to come back so screw that screw that do you think he'd beat golovkin um, at this stage of his career, I I think he, he possibly could. Uh, if, if that was to happen right now, I think he possibly could. Um, but I think, you know, I, I don't see Golovkin hanging around much longer and especially waiting for a Billy Joe fight. Um, but I, I do think he'd be competitive, but I just think maybe Golovkin's a bit too... Uh, well established and I think Golovkin has too many different weapons and I think the difference you saw with Billy against Canelo is he just has that one one weapon which is elusiveness whereas Golovkin's mm. got you know the the jab the the hooks the strength you know the the domination yeah. of the ring and maybe that maybe that's just a bit too much for for Billy Joe yeah and, and of course the problem with that sort of fighting style similar to his mate Tyson Fury that we found out in the the first Wilder fight is that it, it takes one mistake it takes one mistake that you you know you you get your footwork a bit messed up or um you know you duck weave the, the wrong way and, and you've had it and it's it's quite even though in some ways it's I guess a safer way to fight it's almost more dangerous in other ways because it does just take one mistake particularly particularly against a a big puncher um, and, you know, that's a sort of why um, Fury, I guess, went the other way in that second fight. And so, yeah, I mean, it would just always be in the back of his mind, one mistake, particularly now. Um, yeah, definitely always there. And that's something that he would, he would 100% be worried about. Yeah. Ross, do you reckon he'd beat Golovkin? Uh, I think Golovkin from a couple of years ago, no. Golovkin now, potentially, yeah. I think that he had all the tools to beat Canelo. I think it was very competitive. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. I, I think that on his day, he potentially could have beat Canelo. And I think if there was a rematch, not that I think there will be, I think that he's always got a chance. I mean, he's very talented. Um, and I think he, he gave a good display of himself. So, but yeah, I think Golovkin and Canelo, I think he's a, he's a threat to both of them. Wow. Wow. I guess with the judges, though, you know, is he ever going to get a decision? That's the the question because um, with with the judges giving it quite heavily to Canelo at the time of the stoppage, when you know a lot of people thought it was a lot closer than that, you just question. You know, the only method that the Billy Joe could actually win the fight is that even an option? You know, it's a tough one. Yeah, maybe he wouldn't win the fight by a decision, but I think you know if you win the fight. Um, we all know that Golovkin won the first fight. Um, even though it was it was a draw, yeah. wasn't it? So I think that's that's what I mean. You know, he's he's all he's always gonna. I think he's got all the skills to trouble both everyone at super middleweight, including Canelo and Golovkin. Definitely, definitely, and um, I guess it's just that makes it even more of a shame that he was to get injured in the way that he did, because, like you said, it's or like you and said, it 
really does put a question as to whether he's actually going to fight again. But um, I really hope he does because it's clear that actually he's got so much to bring to the sport in terms of his ability and in terms of his personality. Again, you know, he's not everyone's number one fan, but what he does bring is he he brings entertainment. And, and this is what we want to see in boxing. We want to see entertainment. So... I, for one, would be would be glad to see him back, and certainly in that Chris Eubank Jr. fight, I think that'd be a cracker. So, um, yeah, I can only wish him the best. Thank you very much for listening to the Left Up Larry podcast. We'll be trying to put a podcast out every single week. I hope you have a great day. Yeah.